Beautiful. Thank you, guys. Children's Church, you are dismissed pre-K through second grade. Give the kids a hand as they go. And as always, our nursery's right through the door and to the right. But your babies and your children are welcome right here in the sanctuary with you this morning at Grace Baptist Church. Now, if you've got your Bible this morning, go ahead and turn with me to the book of Genesis. Genesis, you can find it. It's the first book right after your table of contents uh, in the Bible. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 12. And in just a moment, we're also going to be in Genesis chapter 15. So you can go ahead and get that ready as well if, if you would like. But what I want to do this morning is kind of speak to those of you who are maybe you're finding yourself kind of settling in life. You're settling. Uh, at some point, you simply had more faith than you do today, right? You had more faith. You were trusting God for more. You were believing God for more. You just had more faith than you do today. You had faith for miracles. You're believing God that was, God was going to move in your life. And now, since you kind of feel like maybe God didn't do what you had asked him to do, or maybe because God hadn't moved in the way that you had asked him to move, that you've kind of settled for the consolation prize. You settle for the consolation. You kind of, you know what? Because often when we have high expectations, they lead to, lead to disappointments. And rather than being disappointed or maybe thinking, well, maybe there's something wrong with me or there's something wrong with God, you've kind of settled. You've lowered the bar. You've lowered your expectations and settled for the consolation prize. This is a message for those of you who feel like you've settled in some way in your life with the Lord. You've or you're tempted to settle. You know, it's true for people. Often we'll do that. And it's true for families. It's true for churches. Often churches will fall into a rut, the rut of routine. And they'll settle for yesterday's victories. Not really believing that God has anything in store for them as a church in the future. Right? And this happens in a lot of ways. I mean, practically in your life. Maybe you're a single lady here this morning. And, and you've been, you are asking God for a man. And not just any man. You wanted a six-foot-tall man with abs who loves Jesus. He's going to be a good daddy. Got a good job. Drives a good car. He loves long walks, holding hands, and cuddling on the couch watching the Hallmark Channel. <laughs> but then some time goes by. And then some time goes by. And then some time goes by, and now your prayers turn to, Lord, just give me a man, breathing, period, end of request. <laughs> just bring me a man. Sometimes you can settle, sometimes you settle in your life, right? Many of you, you're like, I'm going to be a fantastic parent, and my little girl, I'm sure her hair's going to be perfect. I'm going to keep a bow in her hair all the time, and it's just going to be amazing, right? And then it's just gonna, we're going to read stories, and we're going to have tea time. It's just going to be perfect, and then I'm going to tuck my little angel in at night. We're going to say a little prayer, and it's just going to be like heaven on earth, right? Now your prayer is turned to, Lord, help me before I take this child out, Amen. It's nothing like that, right? Lord, I gave this child to you, but I'm about to send her a little early because she is not listening and won't get in the truck. We settle. We lower our expectations a little bit. Now, I'm going to talk to those of you today. You've lowered your expectations of what you think God can do. Maybe what you think that God would do or even could do. We kind of settle. And I want to do it while talking about this Old Testament couple. Look at this next slide. Abraham and Sarah. Now, you've heard of them before. Abraham and Sarah. Their name was Abram and Sarai before God changed it. He often did that in Scripture. Uh, their names changed. But they had a dream, I imagine, like many other couples. And their dream was they wanted to have a child. 
They wanted to have a baby, right? And, and be specifically, they wanted to have a son, I'm sure. And I don't know if you know this, but I haven't talked with their families uh, in our church family that experienced this and gone through this, had a hard time conceiving. And whenever you're having a hard time having a baby, do you know what everybody else around you is doing? They're having babies. I mean, by the litter. It's like everybody, it's like having a baby is a virus and you're the only person on the planet that doesn't get it. Right? And it can be very lonely and, and it's just, and it can be gut wrenching at times. God, why does, she's not, she's a, what's she, why does she get to have a, she, she's, uh, why does the mini skirted Philistine get a baby? And I don't. Lord, I love you. I serve you. I, I, I do everything I can for you. I make you number one in my life. But she's going to have a baby, and I'm not. It could be a very difficult place to be. And so Abraham and Sarah, they're not having children. I'm sure they were devastated. But God speaks to them, and he kind of challenges them to move in faith. So look at your Bible, Genesis chapter 12, and I'm going to start in verse number 1. It says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, that's Abraham, uh, get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Now, there's two things that Abram and Sarah, Abraham and Sarah, two things that they heard. Number one, I want you to move. God, I'm calling, God's calling us to go somewhere else. And they heard that great nation, nation business, but all they heard is, we're going to have a baby. We're going to have a child. God has promised us a child, and we're going to have a child. God said it. God's going to make it happen. So immediately they start picking out baby names. We're going to call her this if she's a girl. We're going to call it this if, if, if the baby's a boy, right? They start decorating the back of the tent for a nursery. They're picking out colors, right? Sarah gets the book, What to Expect When You're Expecting, and she's like reading it, and she's like, you know, talking to Abraham about it, right, while he's trying to watch the camel races or something. And so, and, and they're, they're planning their instant. Instagram gender reveal, right? And, and Abraham wants to shoot something and let it show. And then she wants balloons. And so they're just going through the whole process, but no baby yet. Until so a month goes by, no baby. Another month goes by, no baby. Well, maybe God is waiting until we finish the nursery, right? Because God's, God's time is perfect. And so another month. And then it's four months, five months, six months, seven months, eight months, no baby. Not pregnant. No, not even close. So in Genesis 12, God makes a promise, but flip over. It's just one page in my Bible to Genesis chapter number 15. And look at this verse one, the very beginning of the verse says after these things, now after what things, everything that happened from Genesis 12 to Genesis 15. And so a lot actually happens there that we're not going to cover, but after these things, most theologians agree a minimum 10 years have passed. So from Genesis 12 to Genesis 15, 10 years, man, it's, I, I believe it was more. Most scholars do agree that it was a longer length of time, but minimum, I just want you to, minimum 10 years have passed, right? And we haven't had a baby. Now look at it again. Genesis 15 verse 1 says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Let me pause right there here. This isn't the sermon for today. Let me ask you, is God enough? Even if he says no, even if he says not now, is Jesus your exceedingly great reward or does it have to be Jesus and something else? Something to think about. Verse two, but Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me? Saying I go childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. 
He's like, God, you haven't given me a son. All this great nation business. You haven't given me a son. And that rascal, Eliza, I don't even like him that much. And he's going to inherit everything. Yes, God, in chapter 12, 13, 14, you've been blessing me. But what good does that do? I don't even have a son. And you promised me a son. Now, some of you this morning, you may have your own version of this story, right? You've got your own story you could kind of tell. Maybe you felt like God was calling you to do something. Right? God was calling you to make a move, to do something, and then when you did it, you feel like God didn't keep his end. God, you told me to go to work here, and all these people are terrible, and I didn't get a raise. What went wrong? God, you called us into the ministry, and now we find out ministry isn't that easy. God, you've called us to this. God, I felt like you were wanting me to do this, but now, God, where are you? Maybe you were praying for God to do something. Right? And you think, God, God isn't hearing my prayers. I've been praying for my daddy to get saved. Doesn't God want my daddy to get saved? And a year goes by, and my daddy's just one year meaner and no closer to Jesus. God, why aren't you hearing my prayers? It could be something like, God, by next Christmas, I want us to be in our new house. By next Christmas, God, let us be in our new house. I, I, please, Lord. And then uh, next Christmas comes and goes, and guess what? You're no, I'm sorry, guys. You're not in your new house. Well, God, where are you? Why aren't you here for me? Why aren't you? You answer their prayers. She's even pregnant. Many skirted Philistine. She gets pregnant every time she wakes up. I can't have a child. I don't have my house. My daddy's lost and he's mean and horny. Where are you in my life? God, did you forget about me? God, didn't I hear you right? You see, from Abraham's point of view, nothing was happening. Nothing was going on. God wasn't moving. There was a promise and a lot of time but no evidence of anything, of God doing anything, right? It's almost like Abraham is thinking, God, instead of, he's lowering his expectations. God, instead of being a father of a great nation, how about you give me a son, right? He's lowered. Matter of fact, write this down. Sometimes we lower our expectations because of our disappointments. Isn't that true? Sometimes you're in a relationship with somebody and you lower your expectations of them just because you're tired of being disappointed. You don't expect anything better. And we often do that in many areas of our life. We lower our expectations because it's easier to be surprised than it is to be disappointed. You have no idea what God can do through a little bit of faith in your life. And because we can't see with our eyes what God is up to, we often think that he's not up to anything. The point of my message this morning is this. Write this down. Our God is a multiplier. Our God is a, he's the God of multiplication. That would have bothered the fifth grade version of Marcus Kelly. I could tell you that right now. God is the God of, he's the multiplier. What do I mean? We think addition and subtraction. And we're like plus one, minus one, right? And, and on such a small scale. But our God deals in multiplication when it comes to faith, when it comes to life, when it comes to the blessings of God. He deals in multiplications. And we think in addition and subtraction. I mean, think about it for just a second. Remember the story, the loaves and the fishes? What did he do? He multiplied those bad boys. Remember the woman and her nurse, she's, she's starving to death, didn't have anything, just a little bit of oil, a little bit of it, and she's going to make her last meal and die. And then uh, what did God do? He multiplied that oil. We think addition, subtraction. God thinks multiplication. Matter of fact, God said this in Isaiah 55 verse 9. He said, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. In other words, I hope you understand that when it comes to God, you're not always going to understand. His ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts aren't your thoughts. And sometimes we ought to be glad of it. Right? If God did everything that I thought that I wanted God to do, we'd be in a mess, y'all. 
For as the, uh, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Even if you go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, God told them to be what? Fruitful and multiply. He didn't say add. Jesus once talked about a farmer who went out to sow seed. And some of the seed uh, uh, harvest, at harvest time, it was 30 times the return, 60 times the return, a hundredfold from one seed. You have no idea what God can produce in your life with just a seed of faith with a little bit of faith. I want to tell you, just because you've hit a season where you feel like God doesn't hear you, God isn't answering your prayers, or God is not at work in your life, it's not true. Write this down. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean that God isn't doing it. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean that God's not doing it. It's like the Gideons. You know the Gideon ministry that distributes Bibles? Here at Grace Baptist Church, we support the Gideons. Uh, we'll have a Gideon speaker come in uh, usually one Sunday in the summer. And so, um, and they'll tell us about the Gideon ministry, and we'll take up an offering to support that. We love and appreciate the Gideons. What the Gideons do, whenever you go to a hotel and there's a Bible in there, that's the Gideons. They distribute Bibles all over the world, college campuses. They do an amazing job. And I heard this one Gideon speaker one time, and he basically said this. He said, when we're passing out all these Bibles, these New Testaments and these Bibles, he said, we're just sowing seed and just hoping it lands on good ground. But usually, most of the time, they're not even around to find out if it landed on good ground. When they're distributing Bibles on some college campus somewhere, giving those out to all those young people, they're not going to be there the next day, the next week, the next month, the next year to know if that was going to yield some a hundredfold harvest in the future. Right? So God doesn't call us always to see what he's doing, but he calls us to trust and to obey. What's so powerful, though, is the fact that God is working even when we don't see it. You have no idea what God may produce through a single seed of faith, man, like a seed that's in the ground. You don't see it at work. You don't know what's going on, but God still sends the rain. God still sends the, the sun. Just because you haven't seen anything breaking through the ground yet doesn't mean that God's not, not at work. Long before you ever see the fruit, God is causing that seed to take root. And you may not see that. It may not be on your time frame or your schedule or when, the who, what, when, where, how, why, what you think should be happening. Abraham had the same problem. He's just like us, man. He had limited perspective. He had a limited perspective. Well, in this story, it's kind of funny. He's sitting in a tent and God actually calls him to come out. Right? He's like, God, I don't see nothing happening. I don't see anything working. Look at verse 5. It says, and then God brought him outside. Right? The God brought Abraham outside, and that's kind of what I think I need to be reminded of sometimes, and you do too. Write this down. We need to get outside of our limited perspective. Oftentimes, we want to put walls up. We want to kind of put a rope around what we think God can do or will do, or we even limit you know, what we think is available to us as a child of God. Well, I can never, you know what? Having a close, intimate relationship with God, that's for, that's for worship leaders. That's for preachers and Sunday school teachers. I'll never feel close to God. I'm just going to lower my expectations of my relationship with God because I don't want to be disappointed. Often we let our disappointments cause us to lower our expectations so that maybe we'll be pleasantly surprised instead of dis being disappointed again. We've got to get outside of our limited perspective. We don't see everything. We don't know everything. Again, look at Isaiah 55, 9. God tells us, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. That's the right perspective. God knows what's going on and we don't. Now look at verse 5 in Genesis 15. 
It says that he brought them outside and said, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And Abraham's sitting in his tent and he's going, I don't see you doing anything, man. Ain't nothing happening. And God says, come on outside, son. Look at the stars. That's how many chilling you're about to have. That, that's your descendants. Count the stars if you can count them. That's what your descendants are going to be. I don't know what Abraham did, but I imagine that he was shocked, stunned. Maybe he fell down to his knees and worshiped God and said, God, I am so sorry for trying to limit what you can do. To limit what you can do in my life. God, I was thinking addition. You're thinking multiplication. Look at this next slide. He might have said, God, I was thinking a son. You were thinking a nation. I was thinking a son, but you were thinking a nation. Now, for those of you who belong to Christ, I want you to understand something. When God told Abraham to come out and look at the stars and said, count them if you can. These are going to be your descendants. This great nation, that was you. That was me. You are the seed of Abraham. I mean, yeah, there's the literal seed of Abraham in the sense of genealogy. But that God was referring to much more than that when he said this. You are the seed of of, look at this next slide. You are the seed of Abraham. You are what Abraham was looking up at the sky to see. How do I know? Galatians chapter number three, verse 29 says, if you are Christ, then you are what? Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. If you belong to Jesus, you are Abraham's seed. You have no idea what God can do through just a little bit of faith. You know, there's a song, the kids sing it all the time. Um, Father Abraham, sing it with me, had many sons and many sons, Father Abraham, I am one of them and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. All right, quick, quick, quick. We're not, some of y'all went to children's church once in your life, amen? But listen, you are an heir, you're, you're these, the heir here that's being referred to. Right? God said that if you are Christ, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Here's what I hope you understand. Write this down. Abraham was thinking of his son and God was thinking about you. Abraham had limited perspective. He had lowered his expectations of what he thought God could do. He had no idea what God had planned. No idea what God had planned. Thousands and thousands and thousands of years later, here we are. You never measure God's unlimited power by your limited perspective. One seed, one free Bible. Who knows how many lives could be changed because of a Bible? One prayer. How many lives have been changed because of one prayer? Right? How many families have been changed? How many nations have been changed? You may not see it today. It may take weeks. It may take months. It may take years, years before that seed breaks through the ground. You're like, oh, God's doing something. I mean, I think about the people who started this church, Grace Baptist Church, over a decade ago. Some of those people aren't even with us anymore. They've gone on to be with the Lord. And when they were down there meeting in that storefront property, they never could have imagined with their limited perspective of what God was going to do at Grace Baptist Church. Seven years ago, the church came and they built on this property. By the way, that, that story is a miracle. We'll have to tell you about that sometime if you don't know. And seven years ago, came and built on this property. And when they built this church, one of the things that was said is, this facility will probably last us uh, the next 20 years. It'll be big enough. It ain't. Why? Limited perspective, right? 
Because God can do far more than we can even imagine. His ways are higher than our ways, right? His thoughts aren't our thoughts. And Grace Baptist Church over the years, man, they've had some mountaintop experiences. But they've had the lowest of lows, man. Lowest of lows. And there had to have been time in the life of the church where you go, God, are you done with us? Is this it? Is this through? Or what, what's your purpose? What's your call? Why, what are you doing? God, God, have you forgotten about us? But he didn't. And God hasn't forgotten about you either, man. Just because you can't see it happening doesn't mean that it's not happening. Just because you can't see it, smell it, taste it, hear it, doesn't make it not real. God is moving like a seed in the ground. You may not see it working, but it doesn't mean that God's not working. It may not happen immediately. It may not ever happen. Is Jesus your prize? God may produce so much more than we can imagine through our faith. This is a message for those of you who have lowered your expectations of God. That you've lowered your level of, of faith and trust in God. God may not do exactly what you want him to do. He may not do it in your timing. But Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. I might not see it, but I can believe it. And I don't quit because I can't see it. I don't give up because I don't see it. I don't throw in the towel because I can't see it. Galatians 6 9 says, Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Listen, somebody needs to hear this this morning. God loves you, man. And he wants his best for your life. Our God is working. He's with you. He's for you. He's on your side. Our God is powerful. He's the God of salvation. He's the God of grace. He's the God of forgiveness. He's the God of mercy. He's the God of the word. And he's the God of miracles right now in 2019. And you need to know that God's promises are true. His word is alive. And if you're his, he is yours. And he's with you, literally in you right now. We serve a God, Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. Not addition, multiplication. Ephesians chapter 3, verse. look at the, uh, the last part of that verse. It says, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Your life is a seed. You have no idea how many lives can be touched how many lives can be changed and how much glory can be brought to God our Father through one life given to him sincerely in faith. Let's pray. Father God, we just love you so much. Lord, I just pray that you would speak to us. Lord, that you would motivate your church, inspire your people. Lord, build our faith in you. God, help us understand that you want to do more through our lives than we could ever imagine. Listen, every head bowed, every eye closed. No looking around. Be respectful of those around you for just a moment. For all of you that are saved, you know that you're a child of God. You've been forgiven. You've been redeemed. You've got the Holy Spirit confirms of your spirit. You are his. He is yours. You know that you're saved. Maybe you've been believing God for a long time and it just hasn't happened. And maybe you feel a little bit discouraged. And maybe your prayer this morning is simply, God... Help me with my limited perspective. God, help me with my lowered expectations. Help me to live in the reality that, Lord, that you are really, you really are with me. And you really are working in my life. And, Lord, even though I don't understand everything, I trust you. And I love you. 
Is that your prayer this morning? Slip your hand up all over the congregation. I want to pray for all of us. Let's pray together. Father, I just pray today that just like Abraham and Sarah, Lord, they waited so long. God, that our faith in you would not be dependent upon what you give us, but God, in who you are. And Lord, by faith, we want to be completely surrendered to you. Lord, knowing that we can trust your goodness and your wisdom, your provision. God, just help us to really trust you. No Lord expectations. Listen, as you keep praying, every head bowed, every eye closed, please. Some of you are here because God brought you here for this moment. I believe that with all of my heart. What I want to share with you is about the grace of God, the goodness of God. Scripture refers to Jesus as the seed that was planted for us. The one who would give his life so that we could be saved. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, man, you need to know him. He is the son of God. He was perfect in every way, never sinned. And he became sin for us. Even though we were going to sin, even though all the terrible things that we did and we're going to do, he knew you perfectly and he still chose to die for you. And he died as that perfect sacrifice, the Lamb of God slain for the sin of the world. And on the third day, God raised him from the dead and the tomb is empty and he's not there anymore. He's at the right hand of the Father. Why? Because God used the death of his son, Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection to win the victory from death, hell, and the grave. And now, anyone who calls on his name, look up for just a second. Scripture says anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you called on them? Have you really called on them? Have you trusted them? Or have you lowered your expectations to such a point, right, that you've given up on really having a relationship with God? Let me ask you a question this morning. How do you get saved? How do you get saved? It hasn't changed for thousands of years. You get saved the same way that Abraham got saved. If you had kept reading in those verses, matter of fact, look at it. Genesis chapter number 15 and verse 6. It says, referring to Abraham, it says, And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. He believed in the Lord. And so God saw him righteous because of his faith and because of his belief and trusting him. You have to do the same thing. It's not enough just to mentally go, oh, there is Jesus, there is God. No, 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 no. You have to trust him. Really believe in the Lord. His sacrifice for your salvation. His death, burial, and resurrection so that you could be forgiven, redeemed, washed clean of all your sin. You have to put your faith in that. Abraham believed in the Lord and he had accounted it to him for righteousness. Because if you die without Christ, you're going to stand before God unrighteous. We talk about it all the time. We're lying, thieving, blaspheming, adulterators at heart. We know if we stand before God the Father in the day of judgment, He's not going to see us as righteous because we're not. But because of what Jesus did for us, when we believe in Christ, it's accounted. His righteousness is on my account. So when I stand before God, it's not going to see the, the sin that Marcus committed in his life. It's going to see the righteousness of Christ. Where Jesus took my punishment. Where Jesus made payment for my sin because he loved me. And even when I didn't deserve it, that's the grace of God. Do you know him? Have you truly believed in the Lord? Do you have the righteousness of God covering your life? Let's pray one more time. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Christians, pray for those around you, man. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. 
and you're here this morning and you recognize, yes, it's my turn. I need to call on the name of the Lord. I need to believe like Abraham. I want to surrender my life to Christ. I need Jesus. I need to be forgiven. Is that your prayer this morning? Listen, I will not pull you forward, drag you out. I will not embarrass you, right? We do not do that here. But I just want the privilege of praying with you. And so if you're here this morning and maybe you want to pray to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior right now, you want to nail this down once and for all. Jesus, save me. Is that your prayer? Would you slip your hand up for just a second? God bless you. I see you. God bless you. God bless you. Who else? I see you. Right now, why don't you just pray a prayer like this? Again, it's not the prayer. This isn't a password or some kind of, I don't thing. It's you humbling yourself and doing business with God. And you can pray like this. Just simply call out to your heavenly father and say, Father God, I'm a sinner. Just admit it. He knows it. You know it. Lord, I'm a sinner. But I turn from my sin and I'm turning to Jesus. Save me, Jesus. Lord, I'm trusting in your death, burial, and resurrection for my salvation. Save me, Jesus. All of me, I surrender to all of you. Save me, Jesus. Lord, you said whoever calls on your name will be saved. Lord, I'm calling on you right now. Save me, Jesus. Your righteousness for my unrighteousness. Your sacrifice for my salvation. Save me, Jesus. Listen, if you just prayed that prayer, Scripture's clear. You now have the Holy Spirit living in your heart. You've got resurrection power in your life. God has redeemed you and forgiven you. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. I want to encourage you to make that decision public. Maybe you've prayed that prayer at some other point at another one of our services, and you know it's time to make that public. Why don't you come this morning? The first thing that God asks believers to do is to follow through in obedience and be baptized. Man, have you been baptized since you've been saved? Why don't you come this morning? We've got four being baptized next Sunday. Why don't you come this morning? We'll schedule that time, pray with you, rejoice with you. Maybe you're here this morning and you recognize that your salvation is on the wrong side of your baptism. In other words, you were baptized sometimes back, but you recognize that you got saved later. The Bible is clear. We get saved and then we get baptized. Do you need to get that in order? You need to walk in obedience with Christ. Maybe you're here this morning and God has spoken to your heart. You know that Grace Baptist Church is your church home. This is your church home. God has called you here. This is your church family. Isn't it time to make it official, put on the jersey to be a part of the team? To begin to truly serve God from right here at Grace Baptist Church. If he's calling, I want to encourage you to listen. Why don't you come during the invitation and we'll pray with you and rejoice with you. But whatever God is calling you to do this morning during this invitation, I want to encourage you. Resist the urge to lower your expectations of what God can do in your heart and in your life. Father God, we surrender this invitation to you. It's yours. We love you. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Will you stand with me? You come. Don't wait. In the presence of Jesus the Lord.